Welcome to the Small Business Big Mindset Podcast, where we dive into tactical strategies to grow your business and make an impact on this world. A huge part of success is keeping your mindset and vision on track. So this is a major part of our process and this podcast. Let's do this. Hey, Aaron here. Welcome to the Small Business Big Mindset Podcast. This week, we have Matt Zahn, a story strategist working with business leaders, sales professionals, politicians. I mean, the guy works with everybody um, to use their story to inspire their audiences to action. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm very excited to be here. As I had mentioned to you before, Aaron, this is my favorite podcast. So getting an invite from you to be on this podcast, I was completely stoked. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh. Thank you for so much for saying that. And so uh, we were so excited to have you. And so Matt and I, um, we we work together. We uh, co-host a clubhouse room every single Thursday morning called Power Hour. It's at um, 9 a.m. Central every Thursday. And basically, it's kind of like a, what would you say, Matt, like a an hour sort of weekly mastermind. We kind of help um, cr- those people in their career and those um, people um, growing their businesses with different facets, right, uh, to grow their careers as well as their businesses. Yeah, it's been really good. I've, I've really appreciated the people we've had on. I feel like we've done deep dives and a lot of different discussions, or not just business, but also in life as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's been really good. Yeah, we've really enjoyed it. So Matt, I I think your background is fascinating. Um, your the work that you've done in in like speech writing with politics. I mean, I just it's just really does fascinate me. So if you wouldn't mind kicking us off with a little bit about yourself uh, and your background and kind of meander your way into how you got started with what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is initially in politics. So I have had an obsession with words, how to structure words how to utilize different messages to really inspire people to action, primarily in the political speech writing space. I've also done a lot of debate prep, which has been very interesting to say the least. Debate prep is a very strange world. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit later, but been heavily involved in debate prep, had a thrive in hostile speaking environments. So politicians that have to do press conferences, they have to go into town halls where there's gonna be a lot of hostile, toxic conversations that are gonna come up, how to actually not only survive, also thrive in those environments. So I've been involved in the political space for about 13 years. And then in the last five years, I've utilized what I've learned in the political messaging arena and and applied it to business. And right now I primarily work with CEOs, executives, and sales professionals, teaching them strategies in the political world. A lot of business professionals, they are intrigued by politics. They're fascinated by it, but there's so many different things that we do in the political arena that a lot of business professionals aren't using, especially small and medium-sized businesses. And a lot of these concepts, if they use them, their businesses would fundamentally change for the better. Yeah, so I know I love how you kind of like uh, transformed your career into your in your business into what you're doing now. And would you mind expanding upon that point? Like how how do you work with these uh, with these people? How do you uh, you know install these um, strategies into their business? Because I've got to I would assume that for some it's a far cry from what they. Th- thought they should be doing or how they should be operating their business as far as like integrating story and, and all of that. So would you expand upon kind of how you work with these these people and um, I don't know, just uh, some maybe beginner 
sort of tactics that you have them uh, implement when you're first working with them? Yeah, so a big part of what I do is I get people to not only establish, but build and then do a deep dive in a story bank. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, they may, I don't know if you've heard the term story bank before, but in my opinion, is one of the most important things a business can have. So if I were to say to any listener right now, show me your profit and loss statement. Like you understand how important that is in business. You understand that we need to do everything we can to cut different frivolous expenses and maximize profits. It's very important. But if I were to ask a lot of these same business leaders, show me your story bank, more than likely there'd be a deficit in that story bank, not a surplus. So what I do is I help people transform the way they view experiences to really focus on that story bank. A story bank is one of the most important things that you can have. So what I'll do with people, especially in the business arena, is one, explain to them the importance of it, what it can do for their business. And I, I, I take them through all these different businesses that I work with, all these different politicians I've worked with, how to structure that. So the basis of it is utilizing an emotional POV, point of view. So every single person that an individual is going to be speaking with, they have emotions, right? We're all human beings. We have different emotions. And it's connecting stories with that, those emotions to really inspire those individuals to do what you want them to do. One of the things that I tell people is that these concepts are so unbelievably powerful that I actually make people promise me they're going to use them for good and not to manipulate. That is how persuasive they are. So if your why is sound, if you have an incredible mission and you have great principles and you're actually doing everything you can to help people and really bring about good change in your community by utilizing your business to do so, I want to teach these principles because revenues are going to skyrocket once you have a story bank in place. And then once you have a story bank, bank in place, it's creating a storytelling culture within that business. Mm -hmm. I love that you bring that up because it's it could start with them, but they they need to kind of um, you know spread it throughout their organization, right? It can't just stay with them. So I love that you incorporate that um, as well. And... Uh, so you're kind of like, can you kind of go over the difference between like personal stories versus business stories? Because I'm assuming they kind of use a combination of that. Is that right? Yeah. So that, that's a fantastic question. I, I get asked that question all the time. Should I share personal stories or should I share business stories? And my answer to that is always the same. Share whatever story is going to get you the result that you want. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'll, I'll say that again. Share whatever story is gonna get you the result that you want. And here's what I mean by that. I was raised by baby boomers, okay? And when I was being raised, the worlds were radically separate. So my father, who was an unbelievably hard worker, went to work, that was his work time. When he came home, that was his personal time. And those worlds were completely and entirely separate. In fact, they were so separate. I remember one time that my mother called my father at work and it was to tell him that my sister fell down a hill, broke her arm, and she and myself were on our way to the emergency room. And when he got home, we wouldn't be there, right? That is how far apart they were. Then prior to COVID, so imagine right up to COVID, let's say the end of 2019, 
within the decade leading up to 2019. So between 2009 to uh, 2019, the worlds were starting to become unbelievably blended. Uh, more than ever, people were taking their work home and their home to work. So people are, are showing up at work, they're on their lunch break, they're on social media platforms, they're checking out what their friends and family are doing, they are going to the bathroom, they're texting their spouse, who's picking up Jimmy from soccer practice mm -hmm. tonight? Then they go home, they have dinner, they're whipping open their company-issued laptops, and now they're working, right? So home, the big, big, big mumbo-jumbo. Mm -hmm. Then COVID happens, and people don't even know what day of the week it is, right. literally, right? Because we don't know, is it personal time? is a business time. And the reason why I bring that up is because now more than ever before, personal stories are unbelievably inspirational. Mm -hmm. If you can share a, a personal story and weave in a business principle, weave in a business point, you're going to be able to inspire your team members. You're going to be able to inspire your prospects more than ever before because we relate more to personal stories. So business stories are still important, but personal stories with a business principle intertwined with it is absolute gold. Yeah, I see. This is one of the many reasons why I wanted to have you on because I 100%, well, you know me, or you and I are very similar in that we're all about the story um, and intentional story, right? Um, that you can then connect to what you're, you're speaking about, what it has to do um, with your business. So I'm so, so glad that you're you're here and that you're bringing it up because I 100% agree. Um, and I think people will be surprised how how much of their personal life can be tied to their business. You know, something that happens, like a memory that you have in the past or something that happened with your kiddo or something that happened with your friend. Uh, there's a close connection to, oh my gosh, this is what the message that I want to convey to my audience, whether it's like, you know, persevering in business or increasing revenue. It's like you, there's something that happened in your life that can be tied to that. And then once you get that, people can connect with you and then they feel like, oh, Matt gets me, you know, and then they're more apt to want to work with you and continue with you. Um, now, I believe I've heard you say something like company core values uh, are a waste of time. So I want you to <laughs> talk about that because I think for a lot of people, they're like, wait, what? I thought we all had to have core values. What's that about? <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. I think company core values are a complete and utter waste of time. Now, here's what I mean by that. I will go into organizations and one of my favorite things to ask the employees. So I do a lot of trainings for sales professionals and I'll go in and I'll say, what are your company core values? And a lot of times these people have worked there for years, several years. And here's what they'll say. The customer comes first, integrity. Uh, now, now they have had these company core values in the break room. This person's worked at this company for eight years. They have no idea what the company core values are. Right. So what I challenge companies to do is have company core stories because company core stories are going to be way more memorable and they're going to create a picture of what that value is. Here's what I mean by that. If I say dog, Everyone listening immediately gets their own picture of a dog. Mm -hmm. Some may be envisioning a golden retriever. Some may be envisioning a Rottweiler. 
I'm envisioning my dog right now. Her name's Lily. She's a nine-year-old, eight-pound Morky, a Maltese Terrier mix. That might not have been what you envisioned, right? So a lot of times these companies, what they'll do is they'll create company values and that value, there's a different picture in every single employee's mind. And it may be completely off from the founder of that company and from the leader of that organization. Mm -hmm. But a story explains why that value is important. So let me give you a prime example of this. I was working with a company multiple years ago that they are a medical supply company. And one of the individuals received a phone call, he was a sales representative, received a phone call from a lady asking for a $17 part. Now, a lot of people may have said, oh, can it wait till tomorrow morning? I don't really wanna go out. Well, there was also, it was also snowing outside. And he said, you know what? I really want you to have this. He left his house and he drove to that individual that night and a commute that should have taken 20 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. That individual that received that $17 part became a customer for life and ended up spending thousands of dollars over the course of years after that. Now, when that person shares that story, the other sales representatives are also going to share that story. And now they have a benchmark. They have something to strive for, knowing that it's not just a $17 part. This could be thousands of dollars in revenue brought in for this company. And now that is a, sh a story that is shared that exemplifies customer service. Because you could say, oh, the customer's right, and we put our customers first and customer service. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. But that story captures the essence of that principle, and it is going to be remembered for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that saying, um, facts, facts sell stories Facts tell and stories sell, right? And so it's like you got the story and that, like you said, that's when people start thinking about their own experiences. And then they see the human side of an organization rather than just the business side where they feel like, well, you just want my money, you know? So they see the human side of it and they're like, okay, I can get behind this. You know, they actually do have ambition in life and, um, you know, I can get behind and support what they're doing rather than like, oh, We've served X amount of people and they've seen a X percentage increase of whatever, you know, it's just like, okay, what does that mean? And how does that help me? So I love that so, so much. Um, and this is, I've been wanting to ask you this too, because you uh, uh, mentioned this to me and I was like, what does he mean? So two things. Okay. So what you could, you've mentioned, okay, what we can learn from Pixar movies. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a lot of like, you know, I don't know, fable or how to live your life better kind of things around Pixar movie. I don't think that's what you're getting at. Um, and then I do want to hear about, uh, and I'm wondering if if the big aha moment when you're a political speechwriter, if that um, is what catapulted you to have your own business. I don't know if the two are intertwined, but if you could go over go over that, because it sounds like you had some key learnings, which we, so this podcast is for people growing their careers, but also uh, early to mid growth entrepreneurs. And I'm always about like, let's share the knowledge. Okay. So, you know, uh, whatever we can learn from other examples and share with others, I'm all about. So I would love to hear, you know, your thoughts on what you had mentioned before about Pixar movies. And then, um, and then what you've learned when you were a political speech writer, because there's only, uh, you're the only political speech writer I know. And so <laughs> it's extremely interesting to me. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. So Pixar, as everyone listening to this knows, is an unbelievably successful company. And one of the biggest reasons for their success is having a system on how they create stories. So they utilize something known as the hero's journey. So for those of us, for anyone listening to this that, is, isn't, that isn't familiar with the hero's journey, developed by a professor by the name of Joseph Campbell, and there are multiple stages of the hero's journey. There's about a dozen stages. When you're sharing a mini story, so a lot of times stories, you wanna keep them quick and you wanna to get to the point and you wanna you want do it in a way where you're capturing an experience and you're compacting it down into a short story to be a power punch in your in your customer's mind. So maybe two minutes, depending on what what engagement you are in. So you can't do all 12 of these stages in a two-minute story. However, there's there, there's a couple elements that you have to do. The first is you can never be the hero of your own story if you want to truly inspire people. Okay, so that's the very first thing. Now, what do I mean by that? The hero has to be someone else. It cannot be you. It could be a person. It could be a principal. It could be a book. It could be a system. It could be a song. It could be a movie. It cannot be you. And we can get, maybe we can get to that a, a little bit later. The second thing is you have to understand that there's an ordinary world, new reality. So if you think of any Pixar movie that you've seen recently, actually any Disney movie or Marvel movie, because Disney purchased Pixar and they purchased Marvel and they purchased Star Wars for all the movies Disney is now cranking out, they utilize this model. So you have, you have the main character, they're going through an ordinary world, they hit a wall, they, they, a mentor picks them up over that wall and now that's their new reality. So in business, there's an ordinary world that your prospect's in. How will their new reality, when they become a client of yours, how is that new reality going to be? So that is a huge element of what Pixar is not only notorious for, that they've made astronomical profits off of. They have a system down, and that's what works for them. And also not being the hero of your own story. One, people don't like to hear bragging, but also you can inspire people when the hero is something else. Mm -hmm. So to give you an example on that, to come on your podcast and they were to say, I lost 30 pounds during the COVID shutdowns due to my grit and determination. They've just made themselves the hero of that story. So if listeners think, well, I can't do that. I don't have that level of grit and determination. They've lost their audience. They've lost their ability to persuade. But if someone says, during the COVID shutdown, I stumbled upon a blog post that had very intriguing principles. I followed these principles and I ended up losing 30 pounds. They just made the blog post the hero of their story. And now they're not special. It's the principle that's special. So if the audience thinks, wow, I can go find this blog post. I can read it. I can apply the principles. Maybe I can lose the weight. That's the start of persuading someone to action. That is key in business. And a lot of times business leaders, they want to be the hero and they want to show I'm awesome and I'm the best. And it, it, it completely rips apart their ability to persuade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's kind of like you're the, the wise 
supporting character <laughs> in the film. You know, you're the one that's like leading them along the journey, right? And it's like, Absolutely. you're not inserting yourself as the star of their journey, but you are there to kind of navigate them along the way because then you become like a trusted companion to these people and the long-term one too. So I think that's, that's so, so, so perfect. Um, okay, I do want to hear the aha of your speech writing career. Uh, and then we can, we can move on, but would you mind telling us that story? Absolutely. So in the political world, typically one, it's, it's unbelievably high stress and I would receive phone calls and I would need to come up with speeches in, in rapid fire. And it, it was unbelievably agonizing to me. So I would receive a phone call and the person says, this is like 3 PM on a Friday. I need to have a talk for tomorrow morning. There's going to be a press conference. There's going to be 30 news outlets there. It's going to be at the bottom of the Capitol building stairs. And I needed to write about X, Y, and Z, none of which I know anything about. So there's going to be research that goes into it. So now I'm freaking out thinking, how am I going to come up with a masterful speech for this person and write to their tone in such a quick turnaround time? Like, couldn't they have contacted me a week prior? And I would go into panic mode and I'd freak out and it created a lot of anxiety. And this went on for years and I did everything I possibly could. I read every book on communication I can get my hands on. I took every course I possibly could. I went crazy. It was, it was an obsession to try to do everything I could to put myself in a position to help these individuals more. And the meter was starting to move a little bit in the right direction. I was getting better, but I wasn't where I wanted to be. And then, so my hobby, I'm sure we're going to relate this. I love rock and roll. We, we could talk a lot about rock and roll. I love rock and roll. So, and I also love studying the history of rock and roll because I think it is a hybrid of sociology, psychology, marketing, going against the system, right? The development of rock and roll, especially in the United States, has been absolutely fascinating to me. And for a hobby, I would read a ton of books on rock and roll. And one night I stumbled upon, there was, there was a chapter in this one book I was reading, and I stumbled upon a gentleman by the name of Max Martin. Now, what's interesting is very few people have ever heard of Max Martin. Max Martin is one of the greatest songwriters in the history of the world. There has not been a, a songwriter that has written more songs that have hit number one in the charts in the last quarter century than Max Martin. And I'm reading this chapter, and there's hit song after hit song after hit song this guy's written. And I thought to myself, how in the world can someone, one, write so many hit songs so quickly? And does he have a formula to position these songs to go on to be number one in the charts? And if he has a formula, can I use it to be a better speechwriter? So if you go and you Google, I'm sure a lot of listeners are going to be Googling Max Martin. If you Google and do a ton of searches on him, it's very, very difficult to find different formulas that he uses. And I, again, being uh, having this as an obsession, I started to do everything I possibly could to uncover his formula. And what's amazing is there's different elements of that formula that you can use to be better, better at storytelling. And I've incorporated them into what I've done as a political speechwriter. And in addition, 
what I help business leaders do. And there's so many different things that business leaders can learn about rock and roll. A lot of people will recommend business books. I think it's extremely important to create a tribe of people around you as a business leader. And what better individuals to turn to than rock stars, because they know how to build a tribe around them. So I've done a lot of studying in regard to rock. So hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> no, I love that. I would never have thought about that, but you're right. I mean, a lot of the the hits are like the, the pop bands that you see that have like this insane amount of success. It's it's very rhythmic. It's all it's very formulaic of like exactly like how they create their their music, how they brand themselves. You know, there's a formula to it. And so um I like your example of writing a song to in which most songs they tell a story um, and kind of alluding that to writing a speech or writing a story uh, for for business. That's really that's that's quite interesting. That's very clever. <laughs> Kudos to you. Um, it, was, it was an accident. I wasn't I wasn't reading it to be <laughs> to get better at it. I, it was just this big aha moment. And I feel a lot of times in business we're on this journey and then we stumble upon something or something will hit us like a ton of bricks. And it's just, it, it's a, it's a big shift in business mm -hmm. and it's, it's fantastic. We need to embrace those moments. No, for sure. And I think in order for, so we don't burn ourselves out, you have got to put systems in place, you know, so that you're not reinventing the wheel every single time that you go. Like if you're reinventing it every single time you wrote a speech or every single time, you know, you do X, Y, Z for a client, it's not productive and it's stressful. So, uh, so awesome. I really, yeah, I appreciate that. So you've been in business for yourself for years now. I ask this of everybody because it's fascinating hearing all the different answers to this question about how COVID-19, this global pandemic that we're just slowly crawling out of has impacted business. And I love asking this question because I get I get different answers, but typically people are like, oh my gosh, we had to make this shift, you know, or we were already set up pretty well, but, you know, we made this change or we realized this part of our business is now, you know, the majority of what we do and we can't imagine going back. So I ask you that too, like how has it impacted your business and and how have you shifted, if, if any way, um, to kind of accommodate it? Yeah, so I'm going to be super vulnerable with, with you right now about this question because I think it's really important to kind of dive deep into this question. So prior to COVID, so if COVID didn't happen, and I, I have two sons, I have a seven-year-old and I have a two-year-old. My two-year-old is going to be three in three weeks from now. If COVID didn't happen, the story they would have shared of their father years from now is my father spoke all over the place. He helped a lot of businesses, but he wasn't really there for me. Mm. And then now it's going to be, my dad speaks all over the world. He helps a ton of businesses, but he has made me a top priority. And it was mid-April of 2020, I remember. I remember it clear as day. I can literally picture it right now. I'm sitting on the couch with my wife and I'm watching my two sons play. And I look over to my wife, Courtney, and I say, wow, I said, we have some awesome kids. 
And she looked at me and she said, it took a global pandemic for you to realize that. Yeah. Because prior to that, I was traveling like crazy. I always had a different event. I was always go, go, go. I was so driven. I I, I really prided myself with work ethic. And if, if any of you, any anyone listening has studied personalities, um, I highly recommend looking into the Enneagram. I'm really big on on the Enneagram, I'm a three with a four wing. It's one of, <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically psychopathic tendencies, right? You're go, 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 high achiever, type A, full throttle, in your face, choleric type personality. And I, I, that was where I built my identity. It was, it was in, it was in accomplishing as much as humanly possible. And my kids were a burden to me. Mm. And then COVID happened and I was forced to be in a house with them for, I mean, everyone knows the story, right? A long time. And it really forced me to reevaluate my priorities in life. And here's what's crazy. And here's what's amazing about this. There's multiple things to me that's amazing about this. First, it was extremely challenging. So I don't want to negate the fact that it was brutal because prior to COVID, 90% 90% of everything I did was in-person events for my business. It primarily survived off of in-person workshops. So I remember, I believe it was March 27th. Was it March 27th? It was, it was right around that time. I remember my phone just ringing off the hook with people saying, we have to cancel this. We have to cancel that. And it's a lot of work to put events on the calendar. So I was... I mean, devastated is such a, such strong language, but in essence, I was, I was flabbergasted. I was like a deer in the headlights. I, I, everyone says, oh, pivot. And, you know, you got to be creative. I was really frustrated. Mm -hmm. And then I immediately went to thinking about my grandmother and my grandmother who doesn't have, she didn't have a college education. I don't even know if she completed high school. Was the most empathetic person I've ever met in my life. My grandmother can, could connect with everyone. It didn't matter if they were CEO. It didn't matter if they were high school dropout. It did, didn't matter where they were in life. She could connect like no one else's business. And the reason for that was because she went through the Great Depression and she never talked about the horrors of the Great Depression. She only talked about what it taught her mm. and all of these amazing things she took away from it. And I remember saying to myself, you know what? I'm not going to be the person 10 years from now that talks about the horrors of COVID. I'm going to be the one that says, I, it's where I drew my line in the sand and said, you know what? Things are going to change for the better. I'm going to make a change for the better. I'm going to grow in every single area of my life. And that really started with family. That started with with going back to an obsession I had years ago, which was reading like crazy. I kind of shifted from that because of being so busy and really doing deep dives on what is wisdom? How do we become wise? How do we, how do we process information? How do I, how do I provide an insane amount of value to my clients even more than I was, right? So that was what changed. And what's, what's crazy to me is even as frustrating as it is, or it was, I did better in 2020 than I did in 2019 mm. with less work because I was focused on being present. 
as business leaders, we're so focused on the future. We don't, we don't understand how to live in the present moment. And it's devastating to us. It's, it really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. And I said devastating is a strong word. It is devastating to us because we lose our sense of where we are. We lose fulfillment and joy in life. And I mean, you can't drive a car looking way off into the distance. A deer could go right in front of you. I live in Pennsylvania, one of the most deer populated areas in the country. You're going to get hit. You're going to hit something, mm-hmm. right? You have to look. You have to be present. So to answer your question, it was unbelievably difficult, but I, I think it saved my family in, in essence. Can you imagine how terrible it would be if my if my sons got up and school or in college one day and said, you know, my dad wasn't really there for us at all. Right? That would really suck. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was able to rewrite that story through COVID. Oh, thank you for sharing that perspective. I, I had uh, seen something, some messaging, you know, at the start of COVID and it was like, listen, we're all having to deal with this, you know, pandemic, this global event, unprecedented was the word that we've heard, you know, throughout the year, right? Um, We're not all in the same boat. We all have different boats and backgrounds and, you know, and everything, but we are all in this together. And the question was, who will you be once this is over? Who will you be once you come out of this pandemic? Are you going to stay scared? Are you going to tread water and wait for it to be over? Or are you going to grow? Are you going to, you know, learn a new skill? Are you going to invest in quality time with your loved ones? Like, who will you be at the end of this? And so, and it sounds like you are, you took that to heart, you know? I mean, that's what you did with that time, you know? It's like you reinvested it into your 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 loved ones and, and then, you know, that extended into everything else in, in your life. And it made you who you are today with a fresh new perspective that you didn't have, you know, a year ago. So I appreciate you um, sharing that and, and, and giving us a, a positive perspective over this. Yeah, it was a horrible time for a lot of people. Um, and it could be horrible for any of us if we choose to look at it that way. Um, but I love, thank you for sharing that perspective, really. That's uh that's pretty incredible. And what lucky kids uh, that have, they have a, a dad like you. That's awesome. I guess they are now. It really stung from before. So <laughs> I'm glad that they're so young because I feel like I still have time. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it would really stink if, you know, if, if they were much older. So I'm happy that it happened. When no, it for did. sure. And all of us as parents, I mean, we're just, tr- just trying to get something right <laughs> as we go along. So, um, okay. So are there kind of daily routines that help your success? Because, you know, as you said, as entrepreneurs, I mean, there's just so much like you're growing this business and you have a family and you have maybe a social life and you have hobbies or things you're interested in, or you have all these people that are relying upon you. Um, So it's a lot. So is there anything that you have in your routine that help your business and personal success? Some people work out or gratitude journal or listen to podcasts or, you know, what do you have within your routine? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, this is going to sound really elementary, but I think there's multiple layers to this. With every single high level politician that I've worked with, the number one thing that trips them up is their schedule. Mm. Okay. If they don't know how to run their schedule, they don't have great staff surrounding them that know how to run their schedule, it is going to be 
terrible for them. Like they're literally going to burn out. They're not going to achieve any of their goals. It's going to be a bad situation. And I don't care how high level it is. If you look at the last half century, the number one reason why a president of the United States, regardless of what side of the aisle you are as a listener, listening to this podcast, the number one thing that's devastated their ability to connect with Congress and pass anything is mishandling of their schedules. Mm. So, and I, there's a lot, I could share with you multiple things to prove that point. So you have to have, you have to make sure your, your calendar is absolutely sacred. So for me, I, I love to properly, and I use that word properly, properly use technology. So I make sure that all of my calendars are synced, my business calendars, my family calendars, multiple calendars synced into one, whatever phone app works for you, anyone listening to this, whatever phone app works for you, I don't want you to you know, change what you do. I personally use something called Calendoo. I think it, it really merges a bunch of calendars in in, in a great way. And then I also use an app called Way of Life. Way of Life, you can set daily habits for yourself. And what I do is I look at what I want to accomplish. I look at it like a map, not goals, but a map. A lot of people set goals. I, 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 like, I, I like the idea of a map a little bit better and here's why. So you have to know exactly where you're gonna go. You have to have clear expectations, but so, Aaron, you're in you're in Austin. Mm-hmm. Let's say I was in Austin right now, and and let's say Joey, you and myself, we hop into a car and we drive to San Francisco. So we have our GPS. We're driving to San Francisco. More than likely, we're going to hit a bridge that's out. We're going to have to reroute. Then there's going to be a tree down, you know, hundred miles from there. We're going to have to reroute. There's going to be flooding. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. So we're not actually going to get from Austin to San Francisco the way that the GPS set it in the beginning, but we're still going to end up getting there. And that's how I write what I'm going to accomplish over the course of that year. And then I break it up into quarterly, into monthly, into weekly, and then more importantly, daily habits that I need to do. I've done this now for this system, I believe nine years. And what I do is I have to hit 75% of my metrics on a monthly basis. If I do that, I'm going to win the quarter. If I win the quarter after quarter, after quarter, after quarter, I win the year. 75% is the number. So I highly, highly recommend anyone listening to this, look at the Way of Life app. You can track your daily habits. It'll show you different graphs on on where you are percentage-wise. So you have to make sure that your calendar is absolutely sacred and that you're probably. Okay. I love that. I'm going to have to check out that way of life um, for sure. Uh, Have you heard of the full focus planner from Michael Hyatt? I have not. I actually use, so this, this one right here, um, where is it? It's the. Okay. The best self journal. Your best self. I have not heard the Hyatt one. Um, what you're just because I have just started using. I I have always wanted to be a paper planner person. I just wanted to be that person so badly, and it just was not happening. I would buy them at the beginning of the year. I'd use them for a week. They started collecting dust, and I'd be always on my Google Calendar or whatever. Um, but then I started reading, and I I read about the Michael Hyatt's uh, full focus planner. And do I am I religious about it? No. Am I religious about my 
my digital calendar? Yes. If it's not on the calendar, it doesn't happen. But I do use a full focus planner more than I do others. And it breaks it down similar to what you were saying, because he has you break it down by quarter, by month, by week, and even like, you know, just three things to get done each day. Because it's, you know, if you put too many things on your to-do list, you know, you're going to be overwhelmed when you start the day and you're going to be frustrated when you end the day because you didn't get anything done. (laughs) You know, you got like, even if you got four of the 15, it's still like not great. And so as you were speaking, it kind of reminded me of that. So maybe, um, but you, it seems like maybe um, you're already doing that, but if you wanted something that was like sent to you, and it's another thing, he sends it to you every quarter. So it's awesome. a little bit different than other planners. Um, so every quarter you get a fresh planner and, you know, you you start the, the quarter that way. So just thought it was interesting. Nice. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, so as you're looking ahead, what goals and vision do you have for your business? Like, are you going to go back, you know, to doing as many in-person events as you were? Or are you going to, you know, what do, what do you, what do you see for your, your future for your business? I, I still love in-person events. I, I just, I love, there's something about the energy. There's something about the interaction. I love in-person events. So to answer your question, I will absolutely go back to in-person events. And my calendar from the end of this June to the end of November is completely booked. So I'll be all over the country. I have workshops booked. I'm really excited about it. I'll be in Austin in yeah. September. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So I will absolutely go to in-person events. It will not be to the level that I did in the past because I set min and max for myself when it comes to what I want to accomplish. A lot of business leaders will talk about, you know, no quick goals and the sky's the limit and think big and all these different things. But again, because my priorities, I feel more clear than ever regarding my priorities in life. I actually have a max goal. So So what I do... Well, max achievement on that map that I had mentioned to you, I want to hit that as soon as possible so that I can do more of what I want to. Well, I'm still wanting to do what I'm setting out to do, but I could do more things to offer even more value. It gives me more wiggle room. So my my min my mid minimum goal is always 20, max is 40. I don't do more than 40 workshops a year. And then in the future, I'll be bringing on more their, their VIP packages in regard to clients. So bringing more of those on. So I'm, I'm having an, I'm, I'm putting together an all-encompassing package for clients where not only will they be able to utilize my concepts on creating masterful stories and creating that company culture of storytelling, but I also have the ability now to get it on video and to do a deep dive and story strategy with their entire business. And that is pretty much everything of their business regarding storytelling. I'm really excited about that. So that'll be rolling out very, very soon. And that's going to take up a lot of my time. I'm gonna be focused on that more. So typically the way I run my schedule is I I do a 10 month. So June, in December, I'm typically not traveling at all, at least for business. Mm-hmm. And I'm focusing a lot of like family events and stuff like that. So doing two to four w- workshops every single month, we'll do the 20 to 40. And then also 
focusing on those clients with the VIP packages and they're, they're very labor intensive and they take a lot of, of time and work and it's, it's a lot because it completely revolutionizes their business from a storytelling perspective. Mm-hmm. So to do two a month with that is going to be a lot of a big time commitment. So I'm looking forward to that and it's going to be, it's going to be great. I'll be launching that very, very soon. If there was ever a time that the world needed what you do, it is now. I mean, we coming out of this pandemic, that's what we need. We need connection. We need personalization. You know, um, we need that human factor again. And that's basically, that's what you bring to businesses. You know, you bring that human connection back. And so this is what everybody needs right now. So I'm so excited that you're you're getting Thanks. yeah. I mean that you're coming up with this um, this VIP program and that you're you're heading back out um, on the road as well because uh, we need what you have. <laughs> so that makes me so excited. Um, nice. Where can people find you online? LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a good place to start. Um, I post a ton of valuable concepts on LinkedIn. And I would recommend checking me out on LinkedIn. You could also look at my website, madzon.com. I love starting the uh, conversation. So Aaron, just like you are a conversational copywriter, it's all about that conversation, connecting, figuring out where people are struggling, how to help them. So very problem solution type oriented. So reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let's start a conversation. And, and yeah, follow uh, Matt on LinkedIn, you guys. I read his stuff every single day. I do not miss a day. Uh, he really posts a really yeah. helpful content there. Yeah, for sure. And it's and I love that your content is um, tips and insight, but then there's also some personal stuff in there too. It's really uh, well-rounded. So I, I appreciate that. Um, okay, so Matt already knows about this question, but typically as, as everybody knows, uh, we ask a fun question because we love music over here. And it is, if you could listen to only one music artist for the rest of your life, who would it be? 100% Bob Dylan. Nice, that's great. I don't, Joey, have we had Bob Dylan? I don't think anyone said that before. That'll be a good. So here's why, yeah. here's why I have to clarify. So for anyone listening, you may think, I can't stand his voice. Well, guess what? Bob Dylan does not care what you think of his voice, right? So I consider him one of the greatest lyricists of all time. He was crystal clear with his why, with what he wanted to do, and why I just am fascinated with him is because he spent years and years and years of gut-wrenching hard work. And in 1963, he ends up on the Ed Sullivan Show. So imagine you're a business owner and you're gutting it out and you're working hard. And let's say you're pouring your heart and soul for years and you finally get this massive client and this person doesn't line up with your principles. That's what happened with Bob Dylan on the Ed Sullivan Show because Ed Sullivan said to him when he got on the set, we want you to play this one song. And he said, I'm not doing it. That could have been a massive turning point in his career. And he walked off the set and he said, that's not what the world needs to hear right now. This is a song I want to sing. I had a ton of respect for him with, with that. And then what's even more fascinating to me is in 1964, imagine this, Bob Dylan meets Paul McCartney for the first time. Paul McCartney, they were in the middle of Beatlemania, arguably the greatest rock and roll band in history, the Beatles. Bob Dylan says to them, 
that they're screwing up when it comes to their music. They're not producing music that's going to change the world. Imagine being Paul McCartney and hearing this from Bob Dylan. And if you look at the Beatles, the transition that they had, it was because of Bob Dylan. They started actually writing lyrics that had deeper meaning. And I have a ton of respect for that. He didn't care what people thought about him. His why was crystal clear. It was extremely deep. For someone that loves words, reading the lyrics that he has and diving into them, there's very few people in the world that can write lyrics like Bob Dylan. So it has to be Bob Dylan. I had to give you that, that explanation because I'm obsessed with his music. So there you go. Bob Dylan, 100%. Okay. I love it. I love that you already knew because some people are just like, oh my gosh, they hem and they haw. And they're like, I don't know. This is too hard. You guys are jerks. So I appreciate <laughs> that you knew uh, right off the bat. And that you had like a story, a story behind it, right? It's so fitting, you know, of like why um, he means so much to you. And I completely agree. It's like his lyrics are not surface. They're not fluff, you know, uh, for sure. And it'll be a good addition because we created a playlist of everybody's picks um, that has been on the show. And so it's on Spotify. And so for our one year anniversary of our podcast, we released it. We're like, here's the playlist. So Bob Dylan will now be added <laughs> to that playlist. As Boom, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Thank you, Matt, for taking the time. This has been, gosh, what a, an amazing discussion. I can't wait to listen to it again, which is rare because I hate the sound of my own voice, but I will be listening to this one over and over again. So thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate being a part of it. Thanks for tuning in to the Small Business Big Mindset Podcast. To keep the fun going, check out our Facebook group, Start and Scale an Online Business, for even more free trainings and resources from fellow entrepreneurs. If you haven't already, head on over to musclecreative.com and click subscribe to join our email list for our weekly updates. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, check us out on your favorite podcast platform to follow us and give us a review. As always, be authentic, bring an insane amount of value, and keep crushing it.